Everybody and welcome to this edition of It's About Us. I'm your host, Rush Starwish. I hope you're doing well, and I hope your family is safe. I know we have so much going on in our world today, especially with COVID-19, and we can never forget about how dangerous this uh, pandemic is, and uh, there's record, record numbers of COVID-19 cases that are climbing up uh, all over the country, all over the world, and we have to be careful with it. And again, I hope that uh, you're all taking care of yourselves, and I don't want to turn It's About Us into a PSA, PSA announcement, if you will. Uh, but the truth is this. We've all got to be careful. Um, there's so many different ways that it can strike you and strike a family member. I dealt with it personally with my family. It's devastating. It, it has been a rough five, six weeks, let me tell you. But the show goes on. And uh, speaking of the show... Uh, the DNC convention happened uh, day one yesterday. So many different politicians. The first lady spoke. Look, you want to talk about Michelle Obama when it comes to the big speech. Michelle Obama hit it out of the par park. She absolutely, without question, torched President Trump. Uh, Cuomo torched President Trump. Republicans came on, destroyed President Trump, which is fine. Uh, I'm now at a point where I expect more. I get it. Donald Trump is easy material to talk about how incompetent he is, how he managed to completely mess up the COVID-19 pandemic, the messaging, um, underestimating it, saying that it was all, well, you remember what he said? It's all just going to go away. We get it. Let me just be blunt. Donald Trump sucks. And everyone came on yesterday and that's pretty much what they said. The real question to me is this. When Joe Biden comes on, what do you have to say? I know. I know what everybody says about uh, Donald Trump. Like I said, he's easy. The real question is, comes down to policy. And to me, um, I get it. Talking about Trump and how incompetent he is, uh, it's entertaining. Kind of sexy from a political standpoint. But ultimately, what are you going to do? How are you different than Donald Trump? And I can't wait to hear from Joseph Biden. Uh, he could very well be the president of the United States. I've said this as well many months ago. No matter who runs against Donald Trump from the Democratic, Democratic Party, I will support them. Anyone but Donald Trump. That is a fact. So let's take a closer look. I got some highlights from yesterday's, uh, again, DNC convention, it was virtual. Uh, words, powerful. Michelle Obama, home run. I know not everybody feels that way, especially if you're not a Democrat. But, but pound for pound, I will say it was a strong night for the Democrats. Uh, but again, we have to start digging deeper. We all understand that Donald Trump has to go. Uh, Here's a look. Here are some clips from the highlights. Again, various political types, including Michelle Obama. Take a close listen. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. Please join me in a moment of silence to honor George 
and the many other souls we lost to hate and injustice. And when this moment ends, let's make sure we never stop saying their names. COVID is the symptom, not the illness. Our nation is in crisis, and in many ways, COVID is just a metaphor. Only a strong body can fight off the virus, and America's divisions weakened it. Donald Trump didn't create the initial division. The division created Trump. He only made it worse. Our collective strength is exercised through government. It is, in effect, our immune system. And our current federal government is dysfunctional and incompetent. It couldn't fight off the virus. In fact, it didn't even see it coming. As I said the day I endorsed him, if you feel stuck in the middle of the extremes in our politics, if you are tired of the noise and the nonsense, you have a home with me and you have a home with Joe Biden. Hello, America. I'm Governor Gretchen Whitmer, or as Donald Trump calls me, that woman from Michigan. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will lead by example. It'll be science, not politics or ego, that will drive their decisions. I'm a lifelong Republican, but that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. That's why I've chosen to appear at this convention. In normal times, something like this would probably never happen. But these are not normal times. Let me take this opportunity to say a word to the millions of people who supported my campaign this year and in 2016. Many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. But let us be clear, if Donald Trump is reelected, all the progress we have made will be in jeopardy. If we want to be able to look our children in the eye after this election, we have got to reassert our place in American history. And we have got to do everything we can to elect my friend Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. Okay, so there you have it. You talk about a full recap right here on It's About Us, you got it. And I will say it again. Big words. Inspired, yes. All the right points by the majority of them, sure, I'll take it. But I'm, I'm no longer interested in being inspired. I'm sorry. I, I want to hear about what you are going to do. How are you really going to take on the pandemic? What are the ideas that you have? And I mean, look, we're not maybe expecting that from uh, Michelle Obama, uh, Amy Klobuchar. Okay, governor from Michigan, Governor Gretchen, fine. But eventually, you're going to have to talk and communicate with the American people about what your plan is from an economic standpoint and how you're going to take on COVID-19. What is going to make you different than President Donald Trump? Okay, most people who listen to our program, It's About Us, knows that um, I had the honor of running for Congress. Fell really short, but it's okay. Man, learned a lot. And to be honest with you, when people ask me, 
uh, you know, what are some of the big takeaways that uh, I got from the campaign was the opportunity to meet great people. Uh, people who I look at as the future of not just where they're running in their, their district, but the future of our country. And I met so many people, uh, made thousands of phone calls, shook thousands of hands. But the one, one of the people, it's only a handful of people who I looked at and I said, man, you know, you talk to them, you shake their hand, uh, you, you have dinner with them, and you walk out saying, wow, I just, I just had a good conversation with somebody who I look at as really one of the brightest stars, not just in the political game, but the future of our country. And one of those people is Amar Kampanajar, and he joins us right here on It's About Us. Amar is running for Congress uh, in California, the San Diego area, a.k.a. California District 50. Amar, my friend, welcome to the program. I'm going to ask you right off the bat, uh, tell me your thoughts. I know you, you probably heard some of the earful that I just gave right now about the convention. Give us your thoughts. What, what did you take from day one? Yeah, Rush, it's good to be with you, my man. I miss you, seeing you up there. Uh, I know we had events together when we were both running for Congress, and now it's a very different world. So it's good to be with you, man. I'm sorry to hear that what you're going through with the family in terms of COVID. It's hit my family, too. So we're, we're all in this together, brother, and I'm, I'm looking out for you praying for you and your family. You know, I didn't listen to the whole convention because I was campaigning. I'm not going places a lot, but I'm just everywhere. And I love the recap because I actually got to just get the whole thing in six minutes. Thanks, man. Um, but what I did get when um, the parts that I did get is whether or not you agree with anything Michelle Obama said, that speech was fire. It was Even really good. A tough voter, man. Right. Like she could deliver a speech. I didn't know. I, I knew she was a good speech giver, but that was yeah. that was masterful. But, but I want to ask you, Amar, I mean, like I said, maybe maybe I'm just bitter. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just yeah. getting tired, but I get it. It was a it was what we call a home run speech. But oh. what are your thoughts from the standpoint that it's time for more substance? Did the speech offer, we get it, in terms of the pulse of the nation, where we stand today uh, with our president. But, you know, what do you expect out of these politicians, including Michelle Obama? I mean, did you feel like there was enough substance in terms of what they offered as from a solution standpoint? Right. I mean, attacking Trump, if you're a Democrat, is the lowest of all low-hanging fruit. Anybody could do that. That's easy. And I've been saying this for three, four years now, I've been saying we cannot be just the opposition party to Trump. We have to be the opportunity party. We have to present a positive agenda, not a reactionary one. What are you going to do to reduce the cost of living across our country? What are you going to do to make sure everybody has health care and understand that everybody in this country was born probably in a hospital, came into this world through the health care system, Almost everybody will leave the health care system, a hospital. And how much time you have between those two moments depends on the kind of health care you have. So how about we focus on that? Making sure that we realize that we're in a different economic setting than we were in the 90s or when we were growing up. And understanding that we're in a pandemic wrapped around an economic crisis, wrapped around a caregiving crisis. And we have to fix all those things. So just don't tell me what you're against. It's easy. It's easy to tear something down. It's hard to build something up. And, you know, the convention, it, it, it gave red meat to the base. But for those of us who want substance, who are just tired of slogans, we want substance. We're tired of just 
the cheap inspiration. We don't want the sugar pill. We want the actual cure. And I'm there with you. I feel like it left a little bit to be desired, at least for people like me and probably yourself. All right, Tamar, I'm gonna. I want to know more about your race. I'm pretty sure you get that question all the time. It's a generic question, but talk yeah. about your opponent. And in a nutshell, why why are we gonna vote for you? For for my large fan base in San Diego, I know it's it's through the roof right now. <laughs> <laughs> why vote for Amar over Daryl Isa? Go for it. Yeah, so even if you don't live in the we could use your support, we could use your help. I tell people, even though you can't vote for me, I'm voting for you in Congress. All the things we care about, you need to have members of Congress around the country to vote on these things. The contrast between Daryl Ice is simple. I'm a fighter. I've been fighting in this district for four years. I've been running twice as long as my first term will be. I was actually born in the, the district. Daryl Ice is not from the district. He actually, if that name sounds familiar, was the Congress from up north. I live in Orange County. And he literally just registered in mom's house, even though he lives with his wife in Orange County, and re-registered to run in my race. So here's a politician who thinks that politicians should pick their voters, not voters pick their politicians. It's kind of kind of sleight of hand. Uh, and hold he quit. on here. Isn't let, that weird? Hold on here, Amar. Let me get this straight. Wait a second. Yeah. You're saying this guy, Daryl Issa, this mm -hmm. well-off dude. Was a congressman yeah, a in dollars. yeah was on a was was a congressman in another district, and Crazy and just years. and basically took an address or a relative's address to mm -hmm. run in a different district that's not his. I mean, look, I understand yeah. you can play by that, but that just sounds it sounds lazy. It sounds desperate. How is that? What's the overall reaction from a lot of the the constituents knowing these facts? I'm assuming that you well, hit that point all the yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, and people know it. They're like, he's a carpetbagger because he was in Congress for 18 years in that district. He quit because he got tired of Congress. He actually tried to work for Trump in the administration, and the Senate didn't confirm him because he failed his FBI background check. So he was too corrupt for Trump, imagine. I mean, I don't. how bad <laughs> wow. does your FBI rap have to be to not get the clearance in the Trump administration? So he didn't get that job. And now we're his plan B. You know, it's like, you know, when your mom should tell you when you like somebody and they said, don't make them a priority if they make you an option. Well, ICE is making us his option. He's like, oh, it didn't work out with Trump. Let me go run in this district. And a lot of voters are like, yeah, we're not buying that man. Priority. He's from here. He's part of the working class. And right now we just got a poll. Here's some sexy stuff. We all just right. Got a poll. Is this breaking news, Amar? Breaking news. It's, breaking it's about news. us. We're, we're always looking for breaking news. So hit it. This is the first time a podcast has ever gotten this news. It just came out in the Union <laughs> Tribune. The Deputy Sheriff's Association in my district, the Republicans in my district, did a poll for ISA, who they support. It leaked out and came out in the Tribune. And it has me beating him in their own poll by three points. All so right. Winner. Pick a winner. That's, uh, that's impressive. So uh, I've looked at a couple of your polls. I think it's fair to say, which, of course, it's easy for the candidate to to throw some sugar on this, but right. there's a good chance, to my knowledge, District 50, isn't that traditionally uh, in the San Diego area that you're running? That's traditionally a Republican district, and you're in position to flip it. Is that true? That's right, and my poll actually had me the, had me tied with him, but and, and he had the advantage because it's a Republican di district. Their poll, it's not sugarcoating, go to the San Diego Tribune, it has me beating him, and the reason is I'm from here, and you work hard enough, you spend enough time, you have a positive vision, not just attacking your opponent, like you said. 
in the beginning, you have to have a, a, a positive agenda, not just a negative one. And what we're offering is, look, I know that candidate people, voters in this country, if they're presented a candidate who cares about them, genuinely cares, they'll transcend their partisanship and they'll vote in their best interest. And that's what we've tried to be. You did that when you ran. I did the same. I'm doing the same thing here. We tried to explore unity, not exploit division. And frankly, the Republicans in my district, they're not ignorant. They're ignored. They've been ignored by their party and our party. And the reason they voted for Trump is they wanted to shake up the system because the status quo was not serving them. They might not even agree with a lot of what Trump said, but he was a disruptor. He was a disruptor. Now he's he was a disruptor in a, in a negative way. But we need positive disruptors, like you said, who have a positive agenda for the country to shake up this quote, to hold the people in Washington accountable, to reward work, not just and bring accountability to Washington and and opportunity back home to our districts. And people will vote for that, Republican or Democrat, and that's why we're winning in the poll now. All right, I gotta get a little bit heavy here, Amar. I mean, look. Uh, I'm all about throwing, you know, the nice little softballs, but let's let's get into your background. Uh, for somebody who doesn't Do know your background, um, give us just an overview. Uh, where did you grow up? And yeah. um, and and I gotta ask you as well your name, your whole look. It's how do I put this? You're you're trying to win this red district, if you will, but you don't fit what I call that traditional mold of what mm. I would look at as a you know some Republican that's going to swing right. and vote for you. Talk about your background, and has it been an advantage? Have you had some hurdles uh, mm. that you had to deal with? Give, uh, give our viewers uh, just a sense of uh, some of the, the challenges that you've been dealing with during the campaign. Let me give you an example. There's a city in my district called Santee. The nickname is Clanty for that city. And there was a guy driving down the freeway in Santee who had a big swastika sign driving down the road last week. The week before that, no joke, there was a guy who had a KKK hoodie on going around to, to Best Buy shopping. That's my district. Wow. But at the same time, the district's 35% Latino and it's 15% Middle Eastern. It's half me. Wow. So I'm, I, I belong to that district as much as everybody else. And that's the message of not just my campaign, but our country. We all belong here. So, yeah, it's, it's been tough because there's some old hatreds that still exist in this district that need to be you know, um, um, fixed, but also, you know, I was born in Diego, born in this district. My mom is Mexican. My dad's Palestinian. So, you know, I'm Trump's, you know, dream come true. Latino, <laughs> Arab American, right? I'm everything once in the human. And, um, I lived in Gaza for a couple years. So that puts a big question mark on people's heads. They're like, well, what's Gaza? What's that about? My, my dad w went there to go, uh, live back in his home country. My mom wanted to keep the family together. We stayed there a couple years. I went to some good schools there, private schools. I went to a Catholic school, came back home uh, right before 9-11. And if you're Arab American, if you're American, our lives were changed forever. We're the post 9-11 generation. Um, and that all that comes into play that kind of shaping who I am as a person. Yeah. I we, we have never known. I mean, think about our generation, 9-11, the economic recession. The longest wars in history, the pandemic, the day we have in Washington. This is the environment that people like us mean up in. And it, it definitely shapes the way that we will look at the world. So, Amar, and like I said, we're going to get heavy here just a little bit. Let's get heavy. So, so when we talk about your Palestinian background, I got to shoot straight with you. Prior to me yeah. meeting you, um, you know, some of the what I call hardcore Palestinian activists were putting that pressure on you. You know, here you are. You're, you're part Palestinian, part Latino. 
I get it, and I agree. I think that's a, that could be a great combination to work with, especially since it fits your district. But are you dealing ever at any point where there's almost like you're being asked to be more of something? Be, we want you to be more Palestinian, or we want right. you to look, we want you to come across like you're more Latino. Uh, my brother, are, are you having to struggle with that identity, if you will, to please one of the ethnic yeah. backgrounds? I'm not struggling with it. I'm very comfortable in okay. who I am. But, but the community is always like, you know, when I lived in Gaza, they're like, you're not Palestinian enough. I'm like, how? We're living in the same situation. We're both being bombed at. How am I less? Explain that to me. I came back not American enough because of the post 9-11, being Arab American. We were looked at with suspicion. I'm like, yo, Arabs and Muslims, they died in, in, in those towers, right? Our first responders who have died because of the side effects of all the dust and everything else many of them were arab and many of them were muslim it affected us too and on top of that it buried our american dream beneath the rubble of two towers because bin laden ruined the american dream for so many arab americans and then the latinos were like you're not latino enough because amar doesn't scream latino unless you say amar which means to love and some people buy that some of my girlfriends used to believe that amar thing but not really but look i, I think that those struggles allow me to authentically be all things to all people because it really, I am an American. I am a Palestinian descent. It's who I am. And if you don't like it, as we say, but that's who I am. And I find Can you, trans can you translate what you just said to my, yeah. uh, my English audience? <laughs> it means, yeah. It means drink, drink the ocean. You know, it means like it's yeah. flipping Buzz the burden. Got bit, it. Right. Yeah. Mm. And um, look, I find it always curious when, when, when there are, are well-intentioned Palestinian activists out there, young people who look at me and say, you know, you're not Palestinian enough and you don't care about the cause enough. I'm like, yo, I live there. I've, I'm not just in genetics. I live the experience. I, I'm the only person running for Congress who, who ever has experienced the conflict living there. And trust me, I get it. I know it. I've lost family members to this conflict. But there comes a point where we have to come together and achieve peace and give a sense of dignity and, and human value and human worth and self-determination to the Palestinians. But that means that we might not get what's kind of the panacea, what's in the ideal. We live in the real world and we might have to make concessions for the future, even if it means letting go of the past. And that's because... I want the next generation to have it better than us. And also, we're Americans, right? We're in this country. And so we got to focus on building our country, our, our, you know, for those who are immigrants, their adopted country of America, and make this country everything that, you know, unfortunately, their home countries weren't. And we talk to our elders who say, look, focus on America. America is a land of opportunity. Build it here. So I have to talk to the young Palestinians who are like, you know, rightfully putting pressure on me because my job as a, as a candidate and as a congressman one day will be to let people make me uncomfortable. Their job is to make me uncomfortable and push me. Um, but then I also have to speak my truth and also let them know what's doable, right? I'm running in the most, one of the most conservative districts in the country. You know, my sister is in one of the most democratic districts in the country. And you're going to get very different types of representation in those places, but they will be accurate representation districts and that's what you hope for well all i could say is this samar i uh out of the many candidates that i support uh like i said 
you're you're the one guy that um, you know we I see the hope I see the future um, we always talk about people that we want in an office to be uh, to be genuine to be transparent to be smart um, you know you got all those tools my brother and I'm not just saying that look I, I gain nothing if anything this day and age when you say nice things like that to somebody on the air you're seen even as a softy and I'm willing right. to sacrifice and be a softy by saying like, look, man, uh, I'll be rooting for you. Uh, we're all rooting from, well, at least most of us are that are Democrat and that want to see change. Heck, you don't even have to be a Democrat. If you want to see change, we got you, my brother. We really, really wish you the best. Um, we really, uh, want to see you be the next Congressman over Daryl Issa. And uh, I really thank you for coming on the program, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Went so fast, but looking forward to coming back on again. And great job with this podcast. And I'm looking forward for you running for Congress one day again. We're going to make it happen. You know, I you guys want to like that. Wouldn't you guys want to see him run for Congress again? <laughs> Don't let this guy be bashful or, or magnanimous. He's going to be a Congress day come hell or high water. You it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I, I appreciate it, my friend. You can uh, try to edit this out, but we're going to make one, sure you're in Congress. One step, one step at a time. But right now, uh, let's let's definitely focus on you. And again, I wish you the best, and uh, God bless you, my brother. We'll uh, we'll keep following you all the way till November, okay? Thank you, man. All Be right. well. Thank you, friend. God bless. All right, that was Amar Najar Campo. Uh, he's young. He is um, he is without question the future. Like I said, I met a lot of people, and um, we're always having to bring out the negatives or be critical because it makes for good radio. It makes for good broadcasting. Um, but ultimately, when you see somebody and you see uh, big things happen, uh, and you believe that uh, they have what it takes, they have all the tools, you got to call it the way it is. And uh, speaking, speaking of tools, <laughs> no, 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 I, I meant that in a good way, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what uh, an introduction, brother. All right. So there he is, my friends. Uh, oh, yeah. Hold Potter. on a what second. I'm about to was, help directions. Hold yeah, on. Hold on. And, and yeah. now it's okay. While you're, what, what do we got here? What, what is this? You're, you're showing me a What's vehicle. What's, I don't know where that is. I'm sorry. Good luck finding listen, it. I'm sorry. Listen, sir. Bentley, man, we're yeah. trying to run, even though I know that it's, it's an opinion, but we really are trying to run a professional broadcast. And I know you're trying to be a nice guy, but when somebody's asking for directions, just, you know, you're, you're doing a show, man. Come on. I, I, I look like I'm Google Maps or something. You know, I've been standing out here at the crossroads, right? Kind of like Kasich was, right? That's why I came. The intersection of 59 and 90 right there. And, you know, the other thing I'm doing is I've set up camp here because I believe it's my civic duty, as I was called to by, by Bill for my, my congressman today. Um, I'm out here protecting democracy, Rush. I'm out here protecting mailboxes they ain't taking this one while on my watch okay yeah so i want to talk to you about that which is a a very good transition and uh I, I want you to hear this this is uh this is donald trump who also is giving what donald trump does more uh effective than anybody is what i call create a cloud of chaos and create confusion because the way i see it is and i think most people who aren't I don't look at things always from a Democratic or, uh, you know, a, a Republican standpoint. What I look at is I see Donald Trump as somebody who is going to do everything in his power to delay this election and also 
delay it enough in hopes that this COVID-19 vaccine comes out and that it's successful and that he could earn credit for it. However, that's the way I see it. Benley, I'm going to get your take in a, in a second, but here is Donald Trump uh, at a uh, press conference, I believe today. It was an event, um, and, and here's Trump. Go ahead. Here we go. Donald Trump. Can I ask about uh, Saturday, uh, the House vote on the Postal Service bill? Is that something that you will be... Well, we'll talk about that later. I mean, we'll talk about that uh, the Democrats want to make it a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's really about a correct vote. You have to get voting, voting right. You can't have millions and millions of ballots sent all over the place, sent to people that are dead, sent to dogs, cats, sent everywhere. This is a serious situation. This isn't games, and you have to get it right. I just want to get it right. Win, lose, or draw. I think we're going to win. Win, lose, or draw. We have to get it right. Well, they're going to do something in Congress, but everything they do is political. As an example, why don't they do it now instead of on Monday? They picked a day, actually. They picked another day on Monday, as you know. Well, that's when the Republican convention starts. Why don't they do it during the Democrat convention? Because everything they do, Nancy and Chuck, they play games. How's it working out? I think this is the White House, isn't it? How's it working out for them? Not so good. So I. Okay, so so there you have it. Uh, that's uh, Donald Trump. And, and, and by the way, uh, that was uh, the event, which I wanted to make sure to get that, was uh, during the announcement of uh, a presidential pardon for pioneering women's rights activist, activist Susan B. Anthony. Uh, this was, uh, she died in 1906. So I wanted to make sure that uh, we kind of specify where the event was at and somebody from the press asked him a question uh, about the uh, mail-in ballot deal. So... The way I see it again, and I want your take on this, Bentley, I think Donald Trump will do, especially since he's down in the polls, he's going to do whatever means necessary to delay uh, this election. Your take on that, sir? Absolutely. And, and that, that the whole thing about the mailboxes, you know, that he's going to do whatever it's going to take to, to, to sow the seeds of chaos. I think you said that very, very well. Um, and, and that's true, Rush. He, he's going to. He wants this. He wants to be able to dispute the election results. And he's already sowing the seeds. His base already believes that there will be mail in fraud corruption. With that in mind, OK, California being one of the states where they mail out the base. He was in Wisconsin today asking people to absentee vote. And, and you know, pleading with his base up there, make sure you get your absentee ballots in. He, he's he's really playing both sides of this. You know, I want my people to vote absentee, but hey, the Democrats are going to cheat. Um, it's it's uh, it's amazing. It really is. And, it, and it's it's going to be I'm, I worry for us in November. I really do, because I there's no doubt. No, I, I can't say this. I was going to say there's no doubt he's going to lose. I said that last time. Um, and yeah. I was absolutely wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I think he definitely yeah, you, is going to compete. You called it. You, you knew it last time that he had that he was going to win this thing. You know, I wish but I could it, find that audio, Bentley. Because, you know, when somebody says, ah, I told you so, I called it. We we did a show on it, and you yeah. thought that I was nuts when I told you, look. We think, I thought you were we, absolutely we, nuts. People think economy is the number one topic or the, the most important yeah. issue that people care about. People think it's health care, education. No. The topic, this was this was in 2015, Bentley. Me, you and me go way back. I actually had some hair, yeah. some you know, <laughs> little I what they call a cul-de-sac. And when we did that show, 
And what we said was, or what I said was that no, um, race and division is the number one issue. And rural America, white America, which is predominantly the people who go out and, and, and vote, this is the issue because they believe that race and Latinos and Muslims are coming into our country and taking away our jobs and destroying the fabric of the United States. And guess you, what? You, you, That's what Donald Trump ran on. And while everybody else is talking about health care, education, no, he was talking about race. He was talking about building a wall. And oh my, and you know what? He's going to come back in the next four or five weeks. And I think he's going to bring that back out to excite his base. Rush, he was talking, he was at the wall today. He was inspecting parts of the wall today in Arizona. Um, and you're exactly right. That whole thing about scaring the housewives. Remember, he was saying the thing about the housewives, you know, that the housewives are going to love me because I'm protecting them because, you know, I'm not going to allow them to depreciate the land values by allowing Section 8 housing. You know, and you just you shake your head and you, you, you're, you're saying it just right. What is different this time is that there is a motivation on the Democratic side to get rid of Trump. In fact, the enthusiasm gap on the Democrat side, there is larger people, there's a larger group that wants to vote to get rid of Trump than want to vote for Biden. Okay, let's get into the Democratic National Convention uh, day one, uh, as mentioned, various speakers, um, Bentley, maybe, and I hate sound like, you know, you always want to sound when you're, uh, when you're uh, on the democratic side, you always want to sound like, you know, everything is just so great, but I guess I'm, I'm here to say I'm, I'm tired of just words. And, uh, I just believe the time has come to start looking and listening for substance. Uh, first- how, how did you feel the tone was yesterday besides, again, the kumbaya, let's bash Trump and that the Democrats are just a, the better option. But what did you yeah. take from it? I, you know, I, your recap, by the way, your little recap of that, awesome. You, you, well, you, you do some of the greatest well, you know, work. Yeah, that was uh, trust really me well on this, Trust me. Uh, thanks, but trust me when I say that was not an all-nighter. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, but it, nevertheless, good work. Um, but, but, but the first part of it, I thought was more like a telethon, you know, it, it, it really was boring. Didn't do anything. Second part of it, you had, you know, the two big speeches of the night. Um, it, it, Michelle Obama was, was incredible. She, she is a very good speaker. The one thing I did know, note in that is that she did not mention at all anywhere in there, anything about Kamala, um, which was which was interesting to me, I would have thought they would have done an edit, even though supposedly she taped it before. um, I would have thought they would have done an edit to, to make sure that she was talking about her as well. And, and that kind of surprised me. Um, And Bernie Sanders, I thought was actually Bernie Sanders was the only one that mentioned policy, but where I think he might've slipped up a little bit and given the Republicans some ammo was that he said that a lot of his policies you know, that his people were fighting for are now considered mainstream. Well, Bernie's always been considered the far extreme. And the idea that his policies are now mainstream Democrat kind of lends itself to the the idea that that Democrats are, are going to the extreme left. So it's, it's interesting. And um, I, I thought it was OK. 
but it needs a crescendo and we need it. This will all come down to how Biden. How so, his is so, so I got to ask you this, though. Do you really believe that that Biden is actually going to deliver that crescendo? I mean, Trump delivered it in 2016. Um, I think Hillary, even though it didn't blow you out of the water, but she came overall strong with her speech. Remember the balloons came when she was done and she opened her mouth with her eyes when the, I mean, but, but it was, it was something. Um, but I'm concerned that Biden, I admit, I'm concerned that Biden is not going to deliver the fireworks, that energy that, uh, we've come to expect on the final day of a, of a a democratic national convention. It's going to be tough with, with this, uh, this telethon type thing and, and this remote thing. I don't know what location he's going to be at, but without a crowd, without a crowd to work off, and you work off a crowd real well too. It's, it's totally different working off a crowd versus working off of just, you know, just you and a microphone and a camera, you know, and, and that that's hard to emotionally connect with people. And, and uh, I, I, I honestly don't think Obama would have done that well. I mean, his speeches before all those people, you you couldn't help but feel enthused and motivated after that. Um, yeah, it, I mean, wow. I'll, I was fortunate enough to, to volunteer and go to the Democratic National Convention in Denver. I, I am oh, telling you, badly. No, man, but, but, but hear me out. I'm giving you the God honest truth. When that speech, when that speech was over with, uh, with President Obama, I was convinced. I mean, look, I'm, I was... I know a little bit more about politics now than I did in, in 2008. But I was convinced that this is the guy that truly is going to unite this country. Republicans and Democrats will hold hand. Black and white will hold right. hand. And he will be the one. He is the bridge to bringing this country together. And the one thing that I learned is that, yes, you can deliver that that powerful speech. Yes, you could inspire so many people but when what is all said and done if you looked at his approval ratings and a lot of the policy we got to call it the way it is president obama it, it, it didn't end that way it's not all his fault but it just it didn't end that way it was no. a, it was a more divided country after his second term than it was a united country we we did not realize i think rush what we would have liked to have believed that people were, were not afraid of a, a, a black man like they were of Barack Obama. And I, I still, the birtherism that Trump rose to his popularity on scares me that that, that underlying was there and, and he built his base on those people. 35% of Americans that still do it still believe that Obama is, was not born in the U.S. That's scary. That's scary to me. Uh, and now there's a chance he's already, you know, President Trump is, is starting that uh, that narrative a little bit with Kamala Harris as well. Can I don't know. It? I don't know if it's going to stick. I don't. Um, you know, what's what's also, and again, you cannot judge by having conversations with people that this is going to be the national consensus. But I am telling you, Bentley, I don't think, even though the polls indicate right now, that, that Joe Biden has a comfortable lead between 9 and 11 points, depending on what poll you look at. Uh, Can't look at I, the national polls. Got to yeah. look at the swing states. Well, the swing states, he's in pretty good shape as well. 
but I, I I'm giving you Whoa. my I'm giving you my take that this is going to be a very tough race to win. Um, I think that because Joe Biden, even though a lot of people want to see Donald Trump out of office, you still need what I call that that electricity, that energy, that yep. you listen to this candidate. And you are just fired up. Let's go. Let's do this. Yep. Joseph Biden is not the guy right now as we speak. Can that change? Maybe. But right now, he's not that guy. And I'm, and that's what worries me is that is the anti-Trump rhetoric, is the, the Trump ideology and the hate that he spews, is that enough to get everyone to the polls and, and, and vote for Joe Biden without Joe Biden having to do that kind of work to fire people up, to rally the base, if you will. Right the, now, the, I don't see it, and that makes me nervous, and that's why I think it's going to be a really tight race, and it's anybody's race right now. And the debates are going to be huge, no doubt. 77 days, 11 weeks. You know, we got to have a special episode on, on Election Day, man. We'll have to make it later in the day. Um, way, to, way to pitch for some ideas there, Bentley. You could always call me before the show, after the show. Hey, Rush, what do you think about doing an election day program? But, of course, <laughs> you go on record. Hey. Yeah, why uh, not? Now, well, let me no ask you this. If we end up doing a show before I let you go, yeah. uh, will you commit and actually show up in studio? Absolutely. All right, there we go. On election day, November, I, of I'll course, be sitting yeah. in there. We'll, watch, we'll, we'll, we'll be watching the returns come in after 5 All right, 5 let's do it. My friend, let's do it. All right. God willing, I'm we're all in, we're all in good health, and uh, let's plan on it, and let's make it a great show. Commentary, have fun. Cut to CNN, cut to Fox. You know, in terms of their polls and results and all that kind of fun stuff, it'll be a great show. There we go. All it's right, about boy. us live election coverage, and Bentley's going to show up, and for him to show up in person, you know, that's a big deal. Thank you, Bentley. God love you, my friend. All right, take care. God bless, Bentley Patterson. Uh, joining us right here on It's About Us. Uh, my friends, we are out of time. Thank you so much for everyone who uh, listened to the program. And remember, if you miss parts of the show, make sure to download us on Spotify, uh, Pandora, iTunes. And uh, thank you all. We'll see you next week on It's About Us.